In this episode of And in Heels, we will be talking to Erica Allen, managing attorney at D'Angelo Law. Hello, I'm Kelly Wagner, the host of And in Heels, where women entrepreneurs share real experiences that inspire, motivate, and educate each other about navigating business and life together, knowing that our journey is our own, but we are not alone. Erica is a self-proclaimed legal nerd, creative entrepreneur, fashionista, and foodie. Her virtual trademark law firm, D'Angelo Law, keeps her busy, but she's always looking for ways to incorporate lots of fun into her life. When she's not working on business, you'll probably find Erica traveling, taking a bike ride, snuggling with her dog Zelda, or nose deep in a nonfiction book with a glass of wine by her side. Erica is a Florida native. She started a consulting business, Brandzition, and she also sells wine. Her expertise is in trademark law, and she was featured in Inc. Magazine, as well as many other news outlets. She founded D'Angelo Law in 2015, which is operated virtually. She was ahead of her time on the virtual structure of her business, and it's thriving today in that format. Now, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome, Erica. Thank you, Kelly. Happy to be here. So happy you're here with us. So we got to meet ahead of time and we got to chit chat about your journey and I cannot wait for you to share it today. But let's just talk about when you were a kid and always wanting to be an entrepreneur. Please share with our listeners that story. Yeah, so I feel like I've always sort of had an entrepreneurial spirit since at a young age. And a couple of the highlights to that kind of show my entrepreneurial spirit were I actually used to sell food and drinks to golfers outside of my grandpa's house. He had a house next to a golf course. So I used to go out there and, you know, just post up kind of like a lemonade stand. Love that. So that was probably my earliest entrepreneurial endeavor. And then when I was 17, I actually started a business where I bedazzled clothes and handbags and baby clothes and shoes. And I set up at the flea market to sell these. And it's actually, there's a funny story that goes along with it. But yeah, that was my first real journey into entrepreneurship. I even went to, at that time, you had to go in person to set up businesses. I went down to the Secretary of State and opened a corporation. Wow. At what age were you? I was 17. My aunt helped me. And that was your second business. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, including your food stand for golfers, which I love, by the way. <laughs> I bet that was absolutely adorable. So we, sh we should share pictures on the podcast of those past experiences. Yes, I definitely have some of the flea market and the bedazzled bags are quite entertaining. <laughs> you know what, though? I love that because I'm sure it's something you loved and you wanted to share with everyone. Oh, my gosh. Me and my girlfriend who did it with me, we stayed up all night, literally 5 a.m., just like bedazzling these purses and... I mean, we were all about it. And we were like, we have to have enough to sell. And then, you know, we get there and I think maybe we sold one, you know, the first day. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. Did you sell any? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It was the spirit behind it, right? Yeah. You were following your passion. <laughs> so Erica, you obviously have um, been very successful in your career. You are a trademark law attorney. You are a successful lawyer. So, but there were some pivotal moments in that journey. It wasn't always just, I'm going to go to law school. And then I got the first job and it was perfect. There's more to that. Talk about that acceptance of your path wasn't really what you were on and you, you needed to find a way to change. Yeah, I mean, I felt like for the longest time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I went in a lot of different directions. And I remember being in college and I, I came home for the summer and I was 
helping out my aunt with a nonprofit organization that she started. And I went to court and I advocated for somebody to be sentenced to a treatment program rather than more jail time. And in that moment, I was like, okay, wow, this is sort of like public relations and communications, which is I, I was majoring in at the time. And I was like, but there's this legal component that I've always had an interest in and sort of gravitated towards. And so I went home that day and decided, okay, I'm going to law school. So going down that path, I had one idea of what being a lawyer meant and what it would look like. And, you know, I thought I always had that entrepreneurial spirit, like I said, and always thought one day I would have my own law firm. But the path that it took me to get there looks a lot different than I imagined it would have been. Doesn't it always, though? <laughs> Doesn't it? You know, have you ever seen those memes where it's like me and my, you know, what I vision my journey, it's this straight, beautiful line, do like a sunset, and it's like reality, and it's this jagged line. Yeah, exactly. All of these pitfalls along the way. For sure, right? And I mean, sometimes even now, I, you know, mentally have the, the future goals in my mind, and I have to remind myself that it's not a straight shot. So, right. yeah, definitely I've learned the lesson, but it's hard to remember that it's not going to well, be like that. Well, it may not come the way you think it should, but it always ends the way it should. Right, right? yeah. So you were in a, a, a really negative work environment, and how did you deal with that? Because you're out of law school, you have a job, you feel obligated to get experience and to keep that job, but you're miserable. So kind of talk to us about how you dealt with that pivotal moment. Yeah, so I thought that I wanted to get into family law and I thought that I wanted to be in a courtroom and everything. Um, I interned and had some clerkships in law school with family law firm over on the east coast of Florida. And then I moved back to this coast where I was originally from, but I was I was down in Fort Myers at the time, took a job and was living with my best friend. And I thought that was going to be like such a great opportunity. Sure. And when I started working there, it was actually like the first weekend. I hadn't even started my first day of work yet. And I got this really inappropriate text message from my new boss. And I ignored it. I didn't know what to make of it. And then, you know, oops, autocorrect like hours later. And I was like, okay, felt a little uncomfortable. But very quickly, I realized that this was not a good situation. But I felt stuck because in law school, we're taught that you cannot quit your first job within the first year. And it just progressively got worse and worse and worse, the situation that I was in. And I I didn't know what to do. I mean, mm -hmm. I was working crazy hours. And I don't really want to go into too much detail of the exact circumstances but it was extremely unhealthy my mental health was suffering immensely mm -hmm. my physical health as well I had no time to think about go going to work out or anything mm -hmm. like that and I just felt so stuck so <laughs> it wasn't my it wasn't until I don't know almost I almost hit the year mark but it was probably about 10 months into it and things had just gotten so much worse and my aunt kept telling me just quit as soon as mm -hmm. this as soon as the door closes, new ones, new, bigger, better ones are going to open. She's like, think about all the people you went to law school with. None of them are in a situation like yours. But when you leave, none of them are going to be in a situation like the opportunity that opens for you. So she was a visionary. Oh, very much so. Yes. Very Thank much you to so. your aunt for, <laughs> for being that. Yes. And very, in a lot of ways, like very, very much a visionary. And from her perspective, a lot of this belief had to do with God 
And I didn't know what to think about it, you know, so mm-hmm. I was skeptical. And plus, you know, logic brain, attorney brain, like, no, I have to keep going. Well, there's steps in a <laughs> row and there's perseverance and I'm tough and I can do it. But in reality, yeah. you're human. Yes. And it was a bad situation. Right, right. So eventually one day I just had enough and I didn't go into work. And, you know, I, I got a text message from the office manager. Are you coming in? And I sat there and I looked at my phone and I contemplated And I said, no, I'm not. I figured I would rather go wait tables again and figure out a way to make money than go subject myself to this another day. Like, I don't need to pay attention to these arbitrary rules that you have to be there for a year to, Mm -hmm. you know, get a job. Like, I'll figure out a way. There's, you know, there's always more than one way to do things and become successful. So that was what I figured. And be true to yourself. You know, there are all these societal rules and some are good. Some are are important, but some are just an old school mentality and they don't serve us well. And I think it's the maturity and, of course, the insight from your aunt, which is amazing, that allows us to say, I get this is what I'm supposed to do, but this isn't how this is supposed to go. I'm not supposed to be treated this way. I'm not supposed to be subjected to this in a workplace. And just because I'm supposed to stay here doesn't mean this is okay. Mm -hmm. And giving yourself permission to be true to yourself. I love that. You know, I've always kind of had a thing against arbitrary rules. Like, I like (laughs) rules to an extent. I, You know, I'm a lawyer, but I always felt like if they don't make sense, I don't want to follow them. No. So (laughs) that's what's made. I think that's what makes us powerful as women, though, acknowledging that. I think for so long we've been told you have to follow the rules. You have to go in this order. You have to get married. Then you have to have kids. You got to do this or you got to have a job and you got to be there two years before you move on. Or it looks like you're job hopping, whatever. No, it looks like I had a really crappy employer. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, let's stop blaming women and let's start looking at the circumstances for what they are. Woman or man, you didn't deserve to be in that position, right? Mm -hmm. So good for you for being true to yourself in that. So Erica, you've had some really important people in your life. You've mentioned your aunt, um, but you've had some other important people that really have helped you become who you are today. So kind of share with our listeners, you know, who those people were and how they impacted you. Yeah, so I actually come from a long line of small business owners. So that's been really fortunate because it has sort of combated my fear that I know a lot of people have of doing, of going out on their own or, you know, trying to figure out a way to make their own money. So, I mean, we have like car salesmen, insurance salesmen, all kinds of self-employed in my family. And particularly the aunt that I referenced before, both of my aunts have been extremely powerful influences in my life, very strong women. Even my great-grandmother, who I never had the opportunity of meeting, you know, she was working back way before it was you know, normal for women to go to work. And my grandmother as well, she opened her own business in in Sarasota and was thriving until she retired. Wow. So I've had a lot of really great examples of being self-employed. But it really, I would say my aunt that I referred to earlier has had a huge impact on me because she was such a visionary. She had such a unique way of looking at things. Like I can remember so many times in my life where she would just ask me a question that made me think of something I never thought about before, mm-hmm. think about things in a new way. And she was also a very successful you know, seven-figure business owner, had multiple businesses, nonprofit as well. So, you know, she had a sense of compassion and other values so she was in addition to... philanthropic and mm-hmm. entrepreneurial. I mean, she was the whole package. 
Yes. So that um, had a lot you know, of influence on my life. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, I know she has since passed, but, you know, thank goodness for those people in our lives for however long or short they're in our lives, that each of us is blessed with someone like that in our life. You know, and for those listeners out there that don't have that person, seek out a mentor, seek out someone that can give you that kind of support and advice. Um, because I think without her, you may have had, you know, a harder time making those decisions or you may be labored longer over it or stayed in a situation you shouldn't have longer. So thank goodness for her. I think I definitely would have had more fear because seeing right. that there's somebody else who I know and trust can do it and yep. make it work, you know, that definitely eliminated some of the fear. But, you know, after I quit my my prior law firm job and I didn't know where I was going, I decided within a few days to open up my law practice, but I didn't know how because right. at the time I wasn't doing trademark law and business formation. So I was still doing litigation and family law and stuff. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. How do I set this up? <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully I had people I could call on yes. and say, what do I even do? You know, and I was able to set that up literally like within 24 hours. And I started my law practice within a week or two of quitting my old job. Amazing. I mean, that really is an amazing story. And thank goodness you gave yourself permission to get out of that situation faster. I'm so grateful. So Erica, we talked about success is not linear, right? Our journey's never a straight line. We might vision it that way, but it's not. And to you, you made a statement that there is no finish line. That's really powerful. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, there's no finish line because I think our goals are going to continue to evolve. And really, they should. Like, there should not be a finish line. I also think it's important to realize that it isn't linear. And not just that there's ups and downs, but also that the how and the way that you think you're going to get to those goals and next steps can really change. And they can change for the good. You know, when I envisioned becoming a lawyer and even owning my own practice, this is not what it looked like. I didn't think that I would be a trademark lawyer. I didn't think that I would have a virtual practice. But all of this is actually exactly what I want and it actually is fulfilling. But I couldn't have dreamed this up. It's just like little things, breadcrumbs kind of led me into this direction and now it makes sense. But I had to let go of whatever vision I had at this, you know, subjective finish line that doesn't mm -hmm. actually exist in order to get to this place that I'm in now. Yeah. And I think that's a hard balance sometimes, right? Because we're told to manifest, to envision what we want, to visualize it, to make a vision board. I think the hardest part about that for me, and you just described it, is let go of the how. Know what you want and know what you want it to look like, but be, you know, give yourself and your journey permission to bring it to you however it's meant to come and accept that. But don't try to control it because you could delay it. Exactly. Yes. I mean, if you're just so dead set on like my example of my first year out of law school, if I was just so set on it, maybe this opportunity that I received just a couple days after quitting wouldn't have come my way, oh, you know? Isn't so it amazing? Yeah. I had to let go of that belief that I have to stick it out and just go for it because I knew in my gut that this was not right. This was not the right path for me, even though I thought it was. Listen to ourselves. You know, um, we, we've talked about this on a couple different episodes now, listening to our inner self. 
that's a hard thing to do. So hard, especially for a logic brain person like myself. It's this battle and I have to actually ask myself, where is this message coming from? Is this coming mm-hmm. from intuition or is this coming from logic? It's really a challenge. I yeah. still struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Oprah has a wonderful I don't know if it's a, an episode a podcast a, a it was all it was in a training that I attended one time and I watched it over and over again listen to the whisper the whisper comes from inside if you ignore the whisper it usually throws a brick at you and if you ignore the brick it usually puts up a wall yeah <laughs> so eventually you're gonna hear it but it may be a really tough journey if you don't listen to the whisper and I think that's that internal message you're talking about like mm-hmm. allowing ourselves and I it, I'm not a great meditator, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, my mind moves a thousand miles a minute, so I'm not a great meditator, but I wish I was. Because I do believe, if you look at those who are very, very successful, and you will hear this so many times, meditation is their shortcut to success. Because when they give themselves time to listen, it becomes more clear so much faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I can only figure that out. I also struggle with the meditation. Do you? <laughs> I do. It's same because thing. our brains are the same. Yes. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all over the place and we're 100 miles a minute mm-hmm. and we're that type A, get it done and move, move, move. Yeah, it's like you want me to sit here for 10 minutes and do nothing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and honestly, getting your mind to settle down yeah. when you're that person and you're in that gear, it, that's a journey in itself. Is talking yourself into slowing down. I know. And I I tried um, some of the Joe Dispenza meditations, and I really want to go back and try them again. Yeah. But reading his books and some of the powerful yes. experiences that people have had from doing that, I mean, We're I mean there's something out, Erica, to it. We've got to do it. <laughs> Just do it. We've got to do it. I, 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 I agree with you. I think if, if I could change any one thing this year, make it a goal for myself, it's really to accept meditation and to be 100% committed to it. Okay. Not be thinking of everything else while I'm trying to do it because then it's it just doesn't work. Do you need me to check in with you? Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. So Erica, you are a trademark attorney. And when I first met you, you were talking about intellectual property and all of these fancy terms. And I'm like, okay, I've heard of these things, but I had no idea how they applied. And I think as a small business owner, I thought, well, I'm too small to need that. And you obviously gave me some information that was mind-blowing but early in your business ventures you learned what trademark law was being on the other side of the law so tell us a little bit about that yeah that's so funny kelly and it's such a common myth that people think that they're too small to think about trademark law the reality is when i started that bedazzling business (laughs) and went to the flea market i called it razzle dazzle i thought that was a cute clever name and surely nobody had it and remember i actually went and registered it with the state so oh that's right so thought i was in the clear nope First day at the flea market, I get hit with a cease and desist letter for the Razzle Dazzle trademark. I'm like, how? I don't understand what's going on, right? Me, 17 years old. Right. I had no idea. So it was an easy fix. We changed the name. It wasn't a big deal. Nobody was really taking it too seriously, but they knew enough to protect their business. It was an established business and everything. They just happened to have a presence at the flea market and see and you know see what happened and that we showed up and everything. So that was really my first taste of trademark law. Um, and it wasn't until many years later after I started my law practice that I really got into this. Um, And it's funny because, again, people still think that they're too small for trademark protection, but 
trademarks are more than protection. So the first thing is it's almost like insurance, comparable yeah. to insurance. You're protecting yourself against copycats. You're protecting yourself against having to rename your business after you've invested so much into it. Think about you know SEO tied to your website over the years. Mm-hmm. Think about just the recognition from your clients, like all these things. If you had to just one day start over, um, not to mention you can actually get sued for damages. And that's the protection piece, and that's what most mm-hmm. people think about. And that can happen to anybody of any size, especially small businesses when there's big businesses out there who have the money to enforce it. But secondly, it can actually be an amazing tool for scaling your business and creating leverage. That's actually my favorite part about intellectual property and the trademark process. Once a business creates intellectual property, they have the ability to use that for different uh, strategies for making additional money, for creating partnerships and collaborations. You know, a lot of people think of licensing and small businesses do this all the time. And it's, Mm -hmm. in fact, this is how businesses grow from being a really small business into a very successful Mm -hmm. business. It's almost like you're taking a gamble on yourself, right? You're gambling that your idea or your business name or your marketing name or your personal brand name is gonna become something one day based on your vision. So you're protecting that now. So if and when it does, someone else can't take that from you, right? I mean, isn't that kind of the... That is definitely one... The gist? That is one of the the gists, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, you know, some people will wait. They think, I'm small, I'm gonna wait. But then what they find out is it's too late. And they, now they can't when get registered. When you hit registration. the success mark. Right. Because and somebody's ahead of you or somebody's ahead of, of you. Wow. Yeah. So they've either ruled themselves out from getting registration somehow, or they mm. have actually come into an issue, like an infringement issue that they didn't realize was going to happen. I mean, truly, it happens all the time. I'm dealing with a client right now, eight years in business, who's having to change everything in you know, a matter of 45 days know eight years and this is a pretty good sized company but it happens it happens all the time and you know they weren't a a good sized company when they started right so had they gone through the process you know we wouldn't be in this situation so protect your intellectual property is the message there protect it and then also realize that there's ways to leverage it get yourself some time back get yourself some you know different revenue streams going there's so much you can do with intellectual property On the next episode we have you on, we're going to have to explore that more because I really would love to learn more about that. That's awesome. So Erica, you have had a powerful journey. It's, as we said earlier, you're not, you know, there's no end to your success and what you're going to do in the future. But you really have had some defining moments and things that have happened and people around you that have made that possible. So in recap, just kind of tell us what that's been for you. Yeah, I think that there's been a blessing of having the right people around me at a lot of times and and going out and seeking those people because we are not experts in everything. None of us are. And I actually found that when there's been tough times around me, it's because I didn't have the right people around me. And it can be so hard to feel like, well, what? Why do all these people around me, you know, not do a good job? But really seeking out mentorship, the right advisors to support you as a business owner, as an individual, all of that um, has been pivotal. And it's something that I very much continue to work on and implement. That's been my 2023 goal is making sure I have the best of the best to support me in all the different areas of my life and business. 
Love that. Networking, right? If you don't have that person in your family or in, you know, your neighbor or whatever, or a friend, networking is a great way to, to find those other professionals to connect with. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's where uh, where most of the people that I'm referring to ha- that have been supportive have come from, been networking. Yes, I was blessed to have an interesting aunt who was super mm-hmm. supportive, but um, most of it has been from good advisors, having the right accountant, having the right, you know, tr- trademark attorney who helped me learn trademark law. You know, right. all of those different right. people around me, I had to go network and find them and make sure they were the right people. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So final takeaway for today, Erica, you, you've had a powerful story. Love it. Can't wait to have you back when we start doing video podcast in season two. But give us your final takeaway for today. Be true to yourself. Don't try to fit yourself into a box or pretend to be someone you think other people want you to be. Love that. Thank you, Erica. Thank you so much for being here today and being a guest on And in Heels. Thank you, Kelly. If you enjoyed this episode of And in Heels, share it with a female entrepreneur who is seeking the life they set out to live when they started their business. On the next episode of And in Heels, the digital duo will be exploring the next phase in the digital marketing journey. Unleashing marketing's future, embrace the power of a fractional CMO. In this dynamic discussion, we'll delve into the game-changing potential of fractional CMOs, exploring how they optimize marketing strategies for businesses. Discover the advantages of tapping into their expertise from cost-effectiveness to personalized marketing solutions and gain insights into embracing this revolutionary approach for unlocking marketing success. Join us as we explore the limitless possibilities of the future of marketing with a fractional CMO at the helm. And just remember, women can do anything and in needs.